In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart App is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are, even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh. That is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, anytime you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six months free of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Rockstar is the wrong word by definition. But classical star doesn't quite get at Long Long's place in the Pantheon. He's a serious pianist playing serious repertoire with a flair. Here it's a Schubert fantasy in front of a sold-out crowd at Carnegie Hall. One's tempted to say he's one part Glenn Gould, one part Van Cliburn. But the truth is, he's long, long. He and his signature Buffon were the obvious choice to open the Beijing Olympics, watched by four billion people. And for President Obama to invite to play at the intimate White House dinner for the President of China. Long Long takes an obvious joy in his art and his fame, but both are hard won. A musical prodigy, he was the son of two talented artists forced to abandon their dreams by the Cultural Revolution. Just a few years after he won a national competition at the age of five, his father abandoned everything else in his life to focus on his son's talent. They moved together to Beijing. Long Long won so many contests that he was offered a spot by the Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia. His father moved with him to America too. All that vicarious ambition took its toll on their bond, but over the years, it returned. We're very close. Our conversation was taped in front of a live audience at WNYC's Green Space. We're really uh, much better than when I was uh, nine years old. <laughs> much better. It was not in the same level. Yeah, we were really... And it's getting closer somehow because we are not living together. So in a way, you know, distance makes beauty, right? So so that's that's how it exactly happened. <laughs> yeah. In his mind, he must have a kind of a mixed feeling, the euphoria of you having made it to the degree you've made it. And at the same time, he's not around you. I know that if I was your dad, I'm obsessed with my kids. And if I was like your dad, and I was instrumental and influential in helping you become what you became, then all of a sudden you were like, okay, dad, I got this, and you're gonna move out on your own, I'd be like, wait, no. You know, if you were my son, I'd wanna live with you forever. <laughs> so, I mean, he, 
Um, what does he do with himself now that you're not living together? <laughs> he's actually uh, he's helping me a lot in China uh, back home, and then uh, he's also uh, teaching a lot. He he likes to uh, helping the next generation of uh, musicians, and uh, and he, he himself was a musician. Yeah, he played the arhu, the Chinese violin. Um, so um, that was his. Um, uh, he and was in some like circus bands. He was uh, in an Air Force band, but in be- yeah, before I was in a circus band. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the instrument itself is very beautiful. It's like one of the most charming instrument from Asia, and it's very tasteful. It has a, a really beautiful taste, and and it's also instrument always makes you cry somehow. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. So uh, so sometimes I mean, my father made me cry with different reason. <laughs> you, know? you weren't crying because he broke out the what is it called again? Arhu. Arhu. Yeah. Arhu. Yeah. More like that, yeah. I'll get my Chinese pronunciation okay, down right. eventually, but maybe by the time we're done. But but the, but then you, your country, your native country, is very driven by competitions and international yes, competitions. Yes. They put a tremendous emphasis on that, correct? Absolutely. The best way to make career uh, were winning the competitions, and which is the truth. Uh, the, um, especially during that time, because otherwise nobody will discover. You, you know, in a way. So we, we, we have to go out for international competitions and to win prizes. So being number one is kind of became a, a motto in my uh, uh, early career. And then, of course, um, after I, I landed here, I had this uh, teacher, a great pianist, Gary Grafman, uh, who who's also quite different compared to the other academic professors because he's so into you know, a real career rather than a short term being, uh, you know, a prize winner. So he discouraged me to do competitions. And I was like, wow, really? Did he say why? Yeah, he said that you're too crazy about being number one. And you're not really focused on what you should be, you know, learning the repertoire. And to, he said, do you want to become a great musician or you want to just win a prize? prize winner? And I said, Oh, I said, is that not the same? I said, well, what's the difference? I said, if I don't win a prize, how am I going to become a great musician? Uh, he said, oh, okay, that's the, the wrong understanding you have. And especially his wife, you know, uh, Naomi. Every time I go to library in, uh, in Curtis, and then uh, I start, you know, looking over the competition forms like Van Cliburn, Chopin, Tchaikovsky, and I take it out. And then I'm thinking to, to fill the form, right? And then I saw Naomi next to me. Hey, what are you doing, bad boy? Uh, shouldn't you just working on your Brahms second piano concerto rather than, you know, filling the form, trying to be a crazy number one somehow? <laughs> I was like, okay, let me go back to practice. Yeah, when, you're, when, you, when, you, when you're young, you won your first competition when you were five, correct? Yeah, I mean, that, that's what, what I, I was kind of like. Shen prof- Yang. Yeah, I was like kind of a professional competition uh, Person, you know, I'm very competitive. If I see yeah. you, let's let's do a competition now. And if I see you, uh, yeah, let's do no, it. No, I'm not yeah. going to bother. You win. Yeah. Oh, in our company, you're the winner. We'll just skip to that. No, no, yeah. But 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 what, what fascinates me is the emotion and the feeling behind that kind of work. When you're five years old, if you can recall, are you sitting at a piano and it's pressure and it's tense? And it's like you have to pass a test because it's a competition, and you're and, and there's a, there's a kind of a tight feeling you have where you want to. Or are you enjoying yourself when you're five years old? Um, 
one thing a good about competition is that it kind of pushes you to play better than you normally does because you you try to、uh, play without wrong notes. You try to be hundred percent concentrate on on what you do.、Um, but also, in the same time, if you are too serious about competition, you lose your soul in a way that you are afraid to do something wrong. And as you know, in art. Sometimes when you really do something unique, you are actually not really on the page. You are actually doing something, but that that is a really great moment. So so in a way, it's it's hard to say. You know, it's hard to say. But I I kind of enjoyed it because sometimes I lose, sometimes I win. It's encouraging me to do better,、um, and actually I learn more than. Um, than just playing because I see others playing and I'm like, wow, they're good. I I need to catch up, you know. So、uh, so this is a good good vibe. It's funny to see you of all people,、mm-hmm. and you watch another five year old kid play, and you're like, damn, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do that when I was. All right, let's have a competition. You and me right now. You're challenging everyone to a duel at the piano. Now, what was missing in your childhood? What did you wish you had more of?、Uh, video games,、uh, <laughs> more more sports, uh, uh, more free, sleep, free time, free time, free time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, now I'm、uh, at age of thirty six. I can have more free times if I want. So it's in the end, it's kind of okay. You postponed you know? it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Postponed it. Yeah, but but in a way that I, I wish that I I may have a little bit more more fun time. You know, to maybe less pressure. I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did your dad say, "I'm sorry that it was so tough, and I'm sorry, no, but it paid no, off in the end"? No, he never apologized. No, I think the the best action he was like, "Oh yeah, let yourself handle your stuff, and I'm not going to handle it anymore." I think that's that's the the way that he he passed the management baton、yeah. on to <laughs>、yeah. you. Right, right, right. And now he's jealous of my mom. He's like, "Oh, the important concert you are going, and then you have a nice photo." <laughs> So because he he likes to have some nice photos. So、right、now, now your mother's doing a lot of traveling with you, yeah, and not yeah, your father. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. what's your mother's answer with all the travel? Just one martini is what her program is. She she that, has, that does come in handy for some people. I mean, she has this natural、uh, some kind of a you know she she's just never get tired.、Uh-huh. She's incredible. I think I get some of my energy from her. Her eyes are always like this. <laughs> yeah, but before she start travel with me. She always sleep really early, like already ten, eleven, very healthy, right? But then she now I mean, travel with me for for a few years already, and now she's like never sleep before three, three or two at least. But she looks better than before. <laughs> so,、uh, so I think it's the music therapy, you know. I think it's.、Uh, You know, she's just everywhere. Like every time I play something, she's like,、yeah. "You've had a corrupting yeah. influence yeah. on your own mother." I find that fascinating. <laughs>、uh, you know, is there a piece you play that is exceptionally challenging to you? Is there one that even you?、Uh, every time you play a new piece, whether it's、uh, technically easy or difficult, there's always a new story to tell, and、um, somehow it's not all about. You know, play the note anymore. You know, as a growing up、uh, pianist, so mo- more about how to bring those music to life again、um, and into you know a different interpretation. So therefore, every pieces you have to focus and、uh, in a very different style, of course. Yeah, but、uh, I wouldn't say this piece. I just you know kind of、uh, 
I don't need to care much and it will come out in a great way. No way. You, you have to really focus and to concentrate. So that's why like in, in this new album, The Piano Book, it's the same thing. There are many pieces considered to be pretty simple. Uh, but once you start to re-look into those pieces and you're like, wow, those are master pieces. It's not simple. Uh, maybe technically simple, but if you want to make real you know, music out of it, you have to be focused and to play everything in your mind to, you know, to make it work. Well, I, th- there, of course, is my first uh, slip up here, which is mm. that you brought up your book before I did. Oh, I'm sorry. Which is, no, no, uh, which is a bad hosting uh, on my part. Uh, I, I, uh, I should have mentioned that you have your new book out, the piano book and the CD, uh, which I have. And, I, and one thing I do, which is a, a silly uh, preoccupation, is I go to an iTunes or any kind of a download service, right. and I look and see the length so oh. who plays the Mahler ninth, fourth movement the longest and the slowest? <laughs> the most tortured fourth movement of the Mahler. And you do uh, Claire de Lune. You squeeze the hell out of that. You really play the very long, yes, yes. luxuriating <laughs> Claire de Lune. Why is that? Uh, I, and I think, you know, after getting little older, uh, I think it's going to be even longer. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> don't, I, don't, don't worry. No. I mean, the, the other day, there's one critic said, you know, from the, the Carl de Lunes, uh, uh, the way I played, I think Long Long plays Goldberg with uh, two hour and 30 minutes. And uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's kind of a right thing to say. I'm, I'm now trying to figure out how long I'm going to play that piece. Uh, yeah, but, I, I mean, you know, I just want to enjoy the moment. And, and I, I wanted to make sure that I heard everything from that piece. I have another question for you that, of course, we have a piano here, sure, which sure. is just a suggestion right, only. Right, right. Don't feel right. any pressure. Right, it's right. there in case you feel inclined to, you know, do I, this I thing. like this way of, you know, inviting someone to play. You know, I, yeah, there, there's one friend of mine. Um, it was, uh, you know, the birthday of mine. And so he invited me to his house and he said you know I know today's your birthday probably you, you you will not play today but I just want you to know it's also my mother's birthday no pressure so I played happy birthday for her you know uh, also I heard with Pablo Casals and there's a like rich lady in London always inviting uh, him for tea um, and uh, but he always had something to do. He did not have time. And then so finally he came. Uh, and then the lady's like, where's your cello? Uh, and Kasao said, you did not invite my cello today. <laughs> Billy, Billy Joel did our show. And Billy said that, that, that everywhere he goes, uh, you know, obviously a, a considerable number of people have a piano in their home. Mm. And he said everywhere he goes, they're like, uh, Billy, do you mind? <laughs> Just one quick tune. <laughs> and, and, and everywhere he goes, it's like, will he play Christmas carols at the right, Christmas party? Right, whatever. Right, right. Do you find the same thing as true? Are people constantly saying? But they, they do in a different way now. Uh-huh. They say, uh, what am I traveling? Oh, so do you need a place to practice? Uh, <laughs> I'll put a piano yeah, in my home if you want to Anytime, 24 hours. I don't have neighbors. It's okay. It's myself. I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. I got it. Now, before we get to some other subjects, I've got, I've got a lot of questions here. 
Would you regale us with sure, some sure. little? Yeah, so I, piece? I will play. Yeah, I will play a uh, one of the piece from uh, the recording. Okay. <laughs> I don't know which one, but I start. Wait, yeah, <laughs> it'll come to you. Thank you, thank you. This is the waltz of uh, Emily uh, from the the movie uh, Emily. It's a really nice, nice movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, uh, describe for us how did the piano book come about? Whose idea was this? Mm, I always wanted to do an album like this because when I was a kid, uh, I barely find um, the uh, professional uh, musician recording uh, pieces like uh, uh, for Elise uh, or Cherny Etudes or Clementi Sonatina or Mozart Sonatina uh, or uh, some of the piece which you consider be the beginner's piece. Um, but those are the pieces I loved the most when I was a kid, and those those are my best friend. I mean, sometimes it's not best friend. Sometimes, after a lot of practice, become my worst friend. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I want to kill them. <laughs> yeah, but in the end of the day, you know, those are the the bread and butter made uh, um, pianist to grow. Um, so, so therefore, I wanted to you know to record something which uh, can be appreciated by every. Uh, person who loves piano. 
Um, so that's why we called uh, the album the piano album. Yeah. And this is for Deutsche. Yeah, for Deutsche Grammophon. Yeah, and the, and it's it's already in release because I have it on my phone. I downloaded you, yeah. it on my phone. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. yeah, well, it was worth it. Believe yeah. me. <laughs> Thanks. I, I I hope it's bring some some nice feelings. And uh, and don't don't always count the minute, please. Yeah. Later, I did one second. Did five second. Yeah. Now now when you when you. <laughs> When you uh, when you're leaving uh, uh, very shortly uh, in the next few days to go on a tour, and you're you're, you're going to have a, a um, you're going to uh, Rome. Yeah, Rome, Rome, and then you're going on yeah. to uh, yeah. Korea, yeah, Japan, yeah, Australia, South Pacific, so forth. Yeah. Mm. Now, when you go on these trips, the first thing that comes to mind is that you know you grew up in uh, communist China, and uh, of course Americans have their own you know. Um, unreliable I- images of China and what, uh, what what goes on in China. I don't think they're quite sure. But for me, what I'm curious about is how did the Cultural Revolution in China impact your parents? Did, wasn't there some impact on your mom? Mm, I, I think the Cultural Revolution. I mean, of course, this is from uh, their their generation. I wasn't there, right? Uh, but it certainly gave them uh, I- incredible um, kind of. I mean, openness to to the next generation. They want their kid, you know, to to uh, to be a, a citizen of the world, uh, and they, you know, in a way that because they kind of missed ten years of time uh, to not connect it to to the world, um, and so so in a way that that's why my generation uh, of. Uh, uh, Chinese kids, um, I mean, not kids anymore. Um, um, we, we are very, uh, you know, trying to, you know, learn piano and to to get connected to the world. And of course, being Chinese, but also uh, a, a world citizen. Um, so, like, the, our mission is bridging uh, the uh, the culture together. Yeah. Um, this is your home now in New York. Yeah, you call I, New York home yeah, now. I moved to New York in two thousand seven. Uh, after um, 10 years in Philadelphia, um, since 97. and To go to Curtis. Yeah, I was studying there. Um, and then I was waiting to earn more money to afford the apartment here. Uh, so, so How's that's that why, going? Yeah, I mean, it worked since 2007, so that's, that's why I moved, yeah. Uh, and uh, um, when I came to America in 96, uh, I was just uh, 14, and uh, and... I thought New York is such a a city with uh, the whole world behind. So I always wanted to to come here to uh, uh, you know to be part of uh, this. And why great, not other cities? Um, I mean, because the, cu- the cultural scene here is obviously very real. New York is a cultural capital, mm-hmm. like other great cities, but but maybe not as much as other cities. Like there was no oh, thought in your mind some to live European in, pa- to live in Paris. For I example. mean, I, I actually do have a. Oh, a new home in Paris. I fully so, expected so, you to say that. So, actually, yeah. uh, so I mean, you sold I, a few records. Yeah, so, I see. <laughs> so it would be like Beijing, uh, New York, and Paris. Like my three. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, but New York that sounds like the perfect triangle: New York, yeah, Beijing, yeah. Paris. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah. but but so, so when you when you travel the world, are there halls that you play in, or there are people that you play, ensembles that you play with that you really get excited about? Like, what, what are among your favorite spaces to perform in? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I know that the acoustics are very uh, much of an issue because right. being on the board of the Philharmonic, and they're going to be dynamiting David Geffen Hall very shortly in the next year or two to redo all of Geffen Hall. What's a mm-hmm. space that when you perform, you just love the sound of that space? 
Um, I mean, <clears throat> there are many beautiful halls in the world, um, and of course you have Carnegie Hall here. You have Boston Symphony Hall. It's a really amazing uh, sound, um, and you have the Musikverein uh, Concert House in Vienna, um, and uh, and one of the very beautiful look, um, like this beautiful look, is the Royal Albert Hall in London. Uh, maybe the sound is not great, but it looks great. You know? <laughs> I mean, sometimes that count too, you know, for DVD recording, you know, <laughs> live streaming. It's, it's like, a nice Ooh, set. nice place, yeah. And, uh, uh, but it's really interesting because for pianists, we normally play on, on the side, right? So, so we never really look into audience somehow. I mean, if you want, you, you do like this, right? And then, but in the Royal Albert Hall, it, it, it's a round, right? So everywhere is audience. So, so first time I, I felt... Really nervous when I start playing Mozart, you know, so delicate. And then I see someone waving at me. You know? <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is only downside of playing the roundhouse," you know. It's, and I'm thinking about cellist every day, you know, playing like, "Wow, that's that's tough. <laughs> that's tough." I'm with you at Manhattan School of Music. I told your mother this story. I said we're in Central Park mm-hmm. and you're playing uh, Rhapsody in Blue, right. and you're there with the Philharmonic with mm-hmm. Alan. It's the concert in the park, and I'm, we're, that's obviously where the reverse. You'd be facing the other way, right. and you're playing the piano, and you get to this the, the most tender and the most beautiful, the most gorgeous moment in that soft piano part of Rhapsody in Blue, and you get to the end of the keyboard, and you took this nanosecond to look at the audience. Of course, I'm projecting here, and you get to the end of the piano. And you look at the audience, and you're like, "You really love me, don't you? You're really crazy about me when I do this. When I do this to this piano, you go crazy, don't you? I know you do." And you went ba da ba ba da ba ba da ba ba. You're like, "Here, I, it's me here yeah, with you." And I said that to your mother, and your mother goes, "Exactly, that's him. That's what he does." Great pianist, Long Long. He took his first lesson when he was just three years old. You know who else got his start at three? Itzhak Perlman, playing on a toy violin in his bedroom. I love the sound of the violin. I heard it on the radio, and I said, that's what I want to do. Simple. That's what I want to do. And, and there's no explanation. You know, everybody has a different thing that grabs their imagination yeah. and the violin sound was that and I think it was Heifetz so he was pretty good for grabbing the imagination you know my full interview with Itzhak Perlman can be found at heresthething.org long long on music that moves him coming up Hi, I'm Alec Baldwin. Don't you think it's cool to care? Carrie Yuma knows fast fashion's not sustainable and decided to spin that conscious mindset to create high-quality, low-impact sneakers. Their best-selling Akka style is the perfect, durable sneaker for dressing up or down, pairing a fresh look with broken-in level comfort. Akka is made with organic cotton canvas and ethically sourced rubber, 
and every pair comes with Karayuma's signature cork and Mamona oil insoles. Akka's already found its way into my summer shoe rotation. Find your pair and choose from a range of bold and beautiful colors. Right now, there's 15% off at C-A-R-I-U-M-A dot com slash Alec. With how much we rely on our devices, it's easy to forget about the hardware we're born with. Take ears. Like fingerprints, your ears are totally unique. Too bad your earbuds aren't. Unless you've got Ultimate Ears Fits True Wireless Custom Fit Earbuds. Ultimate Ears Fits offer premium sound and all-day comfort. Their groundbreaking lifeform technology guarantees a perfect fit in only 60 seconds. Just put in the earbuds, connect to the app, and watch as the purple LEDs form the earbuds to your unique shape. With 8 hours of continuous playback on a single charge and up to 20 hours with the charging case, Ultimate Ears Fits are the perfect choice for listening to your favorite music and podcast all day long without pain or discomfort. For a limited time, get 15% off above the current offer of your pair of Ultimate Ears Fits True Wireless Earbuds at ue.com slash fits. Just use promo code FITS at checkout. That's 15% off the current offer with promo code FITS at ue.com slash fits. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Long Long had barely hit puberty when he and his father landed in Philadelphia from Shenyang. The Curtis Institute of Music awarded Long Long a full scholarship, but teenagers still need a high school education. I still remember my first day in Philadelphia in high school. And I, I went into the class, and they said, so introduce yourself. And I said, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm playing uh, piano. I come here to, uh, to study uh, classical music. And, and everybody look at me, it's like they're seeing an alien. Oh, what? I said, Mozart, do you know Mozart? I think I heard about that guy. <laughs> yeah, he, he's dead for many years, right? I'm like, wow, this is something. You know? I've been in a bubble. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I also record Chopstick. You know, I did not know that piece in China. I did not know Chopstick. I know Chopstick, you know. But I, so, so they, so, you know, so they, they asked if me. If I made that joke, my career would be yeah, over right yeah. now. <laughs> so, so one day I invited them backstage of Philadelphia Orchestra. There's a piano. They were in the rehearsal for two minutes and they cannot stand anymore. So they, they all came out because they, they just couldn't listen to symphony. And, I, and they said, Lang Lang Lang, there's a piano there. Can you play chapstick? And I, and I was, yeah, so I, was, I, don't, I don't really know. And then but they, they showed me and I started. But from that moment on, we became really good friends. It's also, you know, this culture clash is kind of, uh, you know, we, we went through that, that point. Um, and then I realized, you know, one day I should help my uh, friend and classmate to have a, a bit of, uh, you know, music uh, uh, inspirations in the school. So therefore, uh, 10 years ago, we founded uh, the, the Nanlang International Music Foundation in New York. And now we have almost 60 schools. And I also want to thank... Yeah, thank you. Uh, 
But also, I want to have this opportunity to thank Alec because from the first time when we played concert, Alec was the host already, and then in every every fundraising uh, time, he's always there, and he's also uh, uh, you know don't. It's hard to say no to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. No, I really appreciate your help. And so the foundation's been in existence for how long now? Ten years. Ten, Ten years. years. Yeah, yeah. And sixty schools in the U.S. Yes. or around the world US. as well. US. In the U.S. Yeah. yeah. How would you say? I mean, to the extent that this is possible, because I'm always quick to to undervalue or underemphasize uh, uh, mm -hmm. the American experience, if you will. But you are a prodigy, obviously, and you're just knocking them dead at the piano since you're five years mm -hmm. old. Mm -hmm. How much would you say? The United States and your experience of living in the United States helped to crystallize some of your talent sure, and some sure, of your ability. Sure, um, I was very lucky. I had this best teacher in the world, Gary Grafman. So, uh, uh, Curtis. Yeah, at Curtis. He basically became uh, a lifetime mentor to me. Um, and so, because this is quite important, there are many schools, many different teachers. You need to find someone who's Having a you know great knowledge, but also fits your style, and in a way, Gary is the, the absolutely the right one because he taught me so much about different culture. And because you know, learning piano, this is not just playing the note; you have to learn the culture, and you have to learn the history. You need to learn their culture roots, folk music, and somehow you are learning the culture of the world, and you really need to dig into it. Um, and then I think in the U.S., it's a, it's a really, um, you have so many different neighborhoods. You know, if you want to find more European neighborhood like Germantown, you're under the French Quarter, um, uh, or, you know, so you always find people from different culture, and they can share, you know, their, their culture with you. Uh, and, uh, and I still remember the first few years, it was very difficult for me to understand the culture. And then uh, Gary found a wonderful teacher who taught me Shakespeare. Um, then you know, after reading um, a few of the books, then I starting to understand the Western classic music. You know, uh, the relationship between you know the the music to the art theme. You know, to the novels. You know, to you, you have to have the surroundings, and then of course, not only U.S. Uh, is important. You also need to go to Europe because this is home of uh, some of the, uh, the greatest uh, composers, like going to Moscow and or Saint Petersburg, going to Vienna, uh, going to Berlin, Hamburg, uh, Paris, and so, or Madrid. You know, to get into the European uh, culture. Now, uh, what does a conductor have to offer you these days at your level? Um, when I was a teenager, uh, I had uh, many great. Uh, Live experience with uh, you know conductors like Savalish, uh, Lauren Mazel, uh, and they're like my grandfather. You know, they're like a totally different generation and, and from a totally different time. And so they told me how to understand Beethoven, how to understand Brahms, how to understand you know in a way that is hard to explain in the schools. But this is like face to face. They they show you the feeling. You know, like they, they basically, even though sometimes they don't sing really well, they can really show what they want. And those are kind of life experiences. And this is something that 
I'm so treasuring because some of those masters already passed away, and I still have a beautiful memories of my first time meeting Sabalish, Mazel, yeah, or Mazel. Um, and, and this is just tremendous experience for me. Name, if you can, a couple of con- of conductors who you really love working. Yeah, with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gustavo Dudamel, he's my great buddy. I, I love him. We just played uh, yes, I mean day before yesterday uh, in LA. Um, and then where'd you play? Uh, Beethoven number two. Yeah, um, and also I, I love the new uh, uh, conductor of Berlin Philharmonic, uh, uh, Carillo uh, Perchinko, uh, which uh, is going to be. Uh, starting with Burning Field this season, um, and uh, and of course I love Zubin Mehta. Uh, yeah. He showed me all the tricks what Horowitz did with him, the Rachmaninoff Third Concerto, and also uh, when I play Chopin Number One, he said, "This sound is not good enough." I said, "I said so. So what do you think?" He said, "Yeah, I play with Arthur Rubinstein. He did not play like this." <laughs> I'm like, oh, show me, maestro, show me. And he's like, I don't know how to do that, but he did like this. <laughs> are you still learning? As you, you are. Absolutely, yeah. So here's the thing. You know, sometimes you you go to a master class and um, you learn a lot of things uh, in that class, and then afterward, it helps you a little bit. You know, for a few more weeks, but if someone's really good. Real master, you will hear a master class, and that class will carry at least another ten years. And every time you think about, you know, what he or she told you on that that class, it's not just about、uh, how to make music, but it's it's a really the way how are you going to think about、uh, music and how you connect with your personality, you know. To the composers, and how are you bridging your imagination into the music, and how are you going to develop your next ten years? So they they basically make you think much more than who you are. Few musicians can really do that, and they really brings you to think much deeper and to think about in a very different concept. Um, and、uh, I still remember working with、uh, Maestro Nicholas Hanenkor、um, on Mozart, and、uh, of course I played many times Mozart concertos. But that lesson uh, I played, um, he showed me something that I never seen Mozart can be described or interpreted in that way. Uh, and that changed the whole time. You 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 basically think, oh my god, what I did was wrong, you know. And I, I'm gonna relearn everything. So so you know, some musicians have that power to really restart your thinking of everything. Yeah. Are you gonna tell us what he said about Mozart? <laughs> These people、uh, love classic, or is that a secret? Is that an industry secret? The, the, nothing. I mean, I, I think I play a little bit of.、Uh, Now would be the perfect time for that. It's yeah, it's a little bit hard to. To describe because it's a quite. You don't need to describe、yeah. it. You can、I、just play, do it. Yeah, I play、uh, two variations from uh, uh, the Twinkle Twinkle variation. Okay.
Just a couple more. Um, the uh, uh, Was there a moment in your life, I mean, I know I asked these sappy questions, but I, was there a moment in your life when you thought, I really am pretty good at this? Like, when did you realize you were becoming the person that you became? It happened a few times. Yeah, because, because like, you know, it happens, and then you think you are not good enough. You know, it's kind of like that. So when I was nine, I thought I really don't have talent, and uh, I thought I'm going to give up. Um, and then somehow when why, I... Why? I mean, it's... What was going on in your life that happened when uh, you were I had a I had a, a professor who did not like me, and then uh, she fired me, uh, and uh, I thought... I'm so bad. I got fired even. You know, can you imagine this this really and she told me that you you, you will never become a pianist. So yeah. Yeah, so So, so now you call her before every concert. <laughs> no, I I, I That's got, where I am now. <laughs> no, I, I got so scared because every time when I'm making audition in the conservatory, she's sitting first row because she's the professor, you know. So I had so many uh nightmares because of uh you know her, her encouragement. <laughs> um, but anyway, so but but then I, um, and then uh, the first time I thought I'm pretty good is that I when I won the international competition at age of twelve in Germany, and I thought, wow, I actually can play some good sound, yeah. Um, and then, and then I, I had a horrible time at school again. Like I did not do well, and I'm like, okay, I'm not good enough. And then when I came to America. In the beginning, I was so confident the first months. I'm like, wow, I'm pretty good. And then, you know, there are many great students at Curtis. They play so well. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm, and then I have no concerts, you know, for, for like three years almost um, because nobody have the confidence to take a 15-year-old boy, you know, to play Beethoven uh, concertos or or Tchaikovsky is kind of like too young, you know. So I still remember my early days audition, you know, from Philadelphia taking the uh, the the Greyhound bus. Um, it was like twelve dollars something like yeah, yeah. And then uh, came to uh, uh, came to Times Square and then you know, running into auditions. And then afterward, you know, conductors like yeah. So um, so there was a, a, a audition for Muaki Symphony. Yeah, it's good, good, good orchestra. And the conductor look at me. It's from some European country, and uh, you played very really good. But uh, how old are you? And I'm fifteen. Oh, maybe let's wait another ten years. <laughs> so it did not go so well mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning. Yeah. Um, now, there's a story that I read about you going to Etlingen. Mm. And you that's go to the German one, like in twelve uh, when I was twelve, yeah, right? And, and you go to a competition, correct? Yeah. Yeah. First international competition for me, yeah. Right. And when you go there, you went to a church, yeah. And I read where you prayed to Jesus when mm. you were in this church. And I'm just wondering, and, and I want to phrase this question the right way, which is, do you have, without enumerating them or discussing mm. them, if you don't want to, specific religious beliefs or? Like many people that I've met in the classical repertoire, is music itself your religion now? I think certainly music is our religion, but I do believe uh, there's uh, some incredible power beyond us. You are getting inspired from somewhere, and right. this is not just about you know our wonderful friendship, but there's some someone is helping you. That's for sure, and also from the different part of my life, 
you know, there's a lot of time I thought I'm not going to make it, but somehow I made it. The strength came yes. to you. Do you listen to uh, any classical music? For me, I, um, I when I'm not performing, uh, I like to listen to jazz. Because somehow, you know, the, the jazz... Um, the jazz musicians are really, really incredible. They can just, you know, give anything and they, they make it into a beautiful work, especially, you know, people that I admire, like Herbie Hancock and Chick Corea, you know, those, my great friend, and also learn so much from them. Um, and then the other aspect is to, to listen to new music, you know, like just fresh made whether it's on top radio or like EDM, you know, just hear movies, you know, TV, yeah, anything. Movie like stuff movies? is also great. Um, and uh, and also, um, I think listen to Mahler Symphony or Brahms symphonies are always you know always very inspiring. You always find something new. And somehow, when I was a kid, I did not really reflect those things into my life. You know, you kind of listen to it, you know, it's beautiful. But now somehow, when I'm especially you know normally when you play with orchestra, the second half is the orchestra, right? So I always sit in, and then when I listen to Mahler or Brahms. It just somehow it's reflecting your life the changes of the harmonies somehow it's like it's it's so related to us you sort of thinking oh this is one point of my career what happened is like you know the turning of the the harmonies what is it about this music that it touches people that way what is your feeling right about that? yeah because in classical music especially in the symphonic pieces uh there's they have so many different layers you know different layers and those layers are you know, representing our emotion, um, our memories, and uh, and our kind of different aspect uh, of culture. Um, and people like Mahler, he's the 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 reason I think we love his music so much is that because he's he has such a mixed of culture in his music, and it's somehow, you know, every one of us is piece of that, um, and and also you know. That's what classical music is for. It, it has a, you know, it, it's a very long pieces, very long symphonies, and you know, it's it's very different. When you if you see a, a film at five minutes uh, and finishes, if it's a TV soap, twenty minutes, or it's a it's a movie for two hours, you, it get you into a different stage of your heart or of of your mind as well. And I think symphonies or like an opera, you know, they can really get in. To very deep layers of your heart and of your senses, um, and another thing is that once you are in the concert hall listening to those incredible work, is that everything else get blocked, everything else. So that's why your emotion becomes so pure, so genuine. You become who you are, and and so that's why you know we get tears in our eyes because we're so focused and we just let music take us to when we start, you know, our life, the first day of uh, you know, memory. And, and I think that's, that's it. I was, well, I was going to ask this question, but I'll just say this now, and that is that I was going to say you grew up your whole childhood in China and then you've lived here and abroad for years. And I was going to ask you, what, what have you learned that the Chinese people and the American people have in common and I guess what I'm realizing is everywhere you go, what people have in common is this language of music and their, and their love of music. Like, for example, there are a lot of uh, great orchestra coming to visit China. I mean, and most of those Chinese kids probably never heard of those countries before in their life. But when they start playing their music, we all felt that we know each other. 
Um, and this is the power. This is really the power. Yeah. Please join me in thanking our very special guest, Long Long. Thank you. Long Long, his most recent album of pieces normally reserved for young learners is called Piano Book. The accompanying hardcover has all the sheet music plus his notes on why each piece meant so much to him growing up. I'm Alec Baldwin and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Most people only see their doctor a few days each year. For all the other days, there's CVS Health Hub, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab the essentials you need in just one trip, even on evenings and weekends, for care between doctor visits, from earaches to help with diabetes or sleep apnea. Visit your local CVS Health Hub today. That's healthier made easier. Services vary by location. See cvs.com slash health hub for details. Are you One Tree Hill obsessed? Are Brooke, Peyton, and Haley your BFF goals? Join Sophia Bush, Hillary Burton, and Bethany Joy Lenz on the Drama Queens podcast to relive, relove, and rewatch every One Tree Hill minute. There are no fans like One Tree Hill fans. There is no family like our family. So we got together to do a rewatch podcast to relive the show as so many of you have. Listen to Drama Queens on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.